All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Dirty Mike and the Boys podcast. This is our third episode so far. Um, looking to catch all you guys up on some of the NFL happenings from this past week. Um, here with the the three three amigos for the the normal crew, um, Colton, Devin, and Eric. Um, any thoughts on how this week went so far? I was kind of a interesting week. It looked like it may not have been going on for all the games. There was some COVID postponements, um, you know, stuff like that. So overall, it kind of was a pretty normal week outside of that. But any kind of brief takeaways before we jump into it? Yeah, I I, I mean, I love football because uh, I love watching the Bears lose. and. It, it was just hey, a, now, a really, hey, hey, it was it was a joyous time uh watching some pretty atrocious football uh and uh, I was doing my little happy dance. It was a wonderful wonderful Sunday. I was not happy at all. That was that was, that was a bad game on on both sides. It was just very boring. It was just news fest to, to say we the least. knew it was going to happen. <laughs> exactly. So um so Today we're gonna kind of jump into some of the the pick games of week four. Um, pick meaning prime time, not necessarily the best games of the week. Um, so we'll jump into some of those matchups. We try to provide some feedback on some main points for that fantasy and otherwise. Um, then we'll kind of move into uh, some studs and duds for the season so far. A uh, little bit of a preview for kind of a start-sit outlook for week five. Um, and then kind of look forward and look at some locks of the weeks and move on from there. Um, before we get into what happened this past week, um, we can look at, um, in terms of fantasy at least, we can look at how we each did um, on our locks of the week from last week. So as a recap, um, Eric decided to be the odd man out this week and he was the lone uh person who did not come through on their pick um he took the niners over the eagles um this week and obviously that didn't quite work out that was a very up and down game um but the eagles were able to outlast the ever named uh jv team of the niners like colton so eloquently described last week (laughs) it was a great description in my defense, this was a close game, and it's not as bad of a lock as that Raiders-Patriots pick that Dev Tank had a few weeks ago. Was, that was pretty atrocious. So it's all, it's all. That's know, a fair point. Aaron Love and War. Apparently, this is a pile on <laughs> Devin episode that I was not aware of. So we'll, we'll keep that going. Yeah, um, really. Speaking so of piling right on now. Devin. Uh, Devin actually decided to pick against his Bears, and he was right because they were not looking like a very confident undefeated team. So he was right in his pick and taking the Colts over Chicago. Um, Colton took the Bengals over the Jaguars, which ended up being a fairly competitive game. It looked like it was the Joe Mixon coming out party, um, which, you know, we are very happy for in terms of waiting and biding our time for fantasy purposes. So that was, that was good to see. Um, everybody seems to have good games against the Jaguars. So that was not necessarily a huge surprise. Um, and then I took the saints over the lions and what looked like a really easy bounce back contest, which is ended up what happened. Um, so Eric, congratulations. You get the hat this week of being the, uh, the lone individual who did not pick right. Any, any thoughts on that besides what you already <laughs> talked about? I will wear it with pride, sir. Fair enough. English <laughs> is hard. All right. Um, <laughs> so kind of looking at some of the game recaps, uh, we'll start with the Thursday night game. Uh, so that was the atrociously looking Denver Broncos who played the even more atrociously looking New York Jets in a game that was semi-competitive. Um, you know, the Broncos were down a couple pieces. They were down Drew Locke again this week. Um, and instead of putting Jeff Driscoll out there, they uh, decided to roll with uh, Brett Rippon. Um, he looked competent against 
the Jets defense, but again, it's the Jets. So, um, you know, good, good for him. Good for him to take advantage of the situation. Um, but we'll kind of just throw it over to Colton first. Um, thoughts on how kind of gross the game was. Yeah, they kind of took it right out of the mouth. It was just a gross, gross game. Um, somehow the shorthanded Broncos still put up 37 points over the Jets. God, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, that's just terrible. <laughs> like, if you're just looking at fantasy-wise before the game, who who do you even start? Melvin Gordon? Maybe Noah Fant in that game, but other than that, like, you just don't want to play anybody. On the Jets' side, Sam Darnold, that poor guy. He, he just never given a chance. I guess the only bright spot, Jameson Crowder had seven receptions coming off an injury. He was targeted 10 times. I feel like he's probably got a safe floor every week if you want to play him. Um, I guess, Devin, what do you what do you think about Sam Darnold going forward? Oh, boy. He, uh, I just, I just feel bad for him. I mean, he just doesn't have the, the, the weapons that he really needs to, to be effective. And, you know, on top of that too, the, the coaching staff just, just does not seem to want to help him from the looks of things. Um, yeah, besides that, uh, looking at the Broncos side, just an interesting fact. I know how everyone likes to, to bash on the Bears and our, our quarterback situ- situation, but... Situation. Um, situation. English. <laughs> um, they've had nine different quarterbacks dating back to Peyton Manning when he retired back in 2016. Um, That's insane. Yes, that is very insane. And if you look at uh, the Bears quarterback situation, they've had 11 quarterbacks since 2009. So... If that tells you anything about tale of two two franchises and who's got the worst end of the stick, I'd say uh, say the Broncos are a little little unlucky as far as that situation goes. John Elway has just not been able to to find his his next QB. Um, I think Locke looks to be a candidate at least to be that long term guy. Um, obviously, with his injury this year is trying to put a bit of a a stop to that but i think Locke has some tools that they can definitely build around i think he kind of fits the the age of what the offense is obviously with you know their offensive weapons or whatnot um but i i think Locke has a a solid chance to to fit in um eric what are your your thoughts i know you're uh you like talking about former badgers so it looks like melvin gordon finally showed up on thursday he did, and if there's one thing I like talking about more than former Badgers, it's talking about the donks. Uh, Melvin Gordon ended up having <laughs> the donks, as uh, my precious mother calls them. Uh, so Melvin Gordon ended yep. up with <laughs> ended up with uh, 23 attempts for 107 and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, the previous rushing attempts uh, per game for Melvin Gordon were 15, 19, and then 8. And that 8 was against Tampa Bay in that game where they never really had a chance. So, I don't know. I think he could be a good play, in, especially in plus matchups where they could be leading. But this is the Donks, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't, yeah, I don't think... <laughs> yeah, and they played the Jets, so this might be their only plus matchup. Uh, one can hope, and so uh, those will come few and far between for Melvin Gordon, I think. Is it fair to assume that the only reason Gordon got over twenty touches, or actually twenty carries, is the fact that Lindsey was out? Another factor to consider, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, big time. I think Lindsey's trending to play next week. So Gordon's still a sell high candidate for me. If you have him, try to sell him, get something better, move on. For sure. I mean, with the injuries on that offense and the fact that, you know, Jerry Judy is now apparently the wide receiver one there, it, it makes it tough to kind of pinpoint exactly who's going to get the ball in that offense. Um, you know, Locke and Fant had 
a really good combination going before Locke got hurt. Um, Fant kind of continued it a little bit with Driscoll, not so much with Rippon. Um, obviously, he did get hurt on Thursday with ankle injury. It looks like he might miss a week. Otherwise, he'll be good to go against the Pats next week. Um, so thankfully, it's not a very serious injury. Um, but the offense is very hard to, hard to predict, um, especially coming out of the AFC West division. Um, obviously the Chiefs are the team to beat, not just in that division, but the conference. Uh, the Raiders are looking really good. Uh, Chargers are you know, looking better than probably many expected with Herbert at the, the QB position with Taylor being out. So Broncos are just better off just trying to, you know, build their, their offensive core of Judy, KJ Hamler, and Sutton, obviously, when Sutton comes back from his injury um, with Locke and Fant and um, – a pretty competent offensive line um and kind of just playing for the future at this point because it's going to be a tough division to win or even make the playoffs out of if you're not at full strength you love your dogs i do it's it's a weird you know fantasy wise i thought this was a really under the radar offense that had the pieces in place to really surprise a lot of people and obviously injuries got in the way so that's not something that has been realized yet um, but I think it's definitely a possibility once Locke comes back, kind of pick up that, you know, charisma with Fant and try to develop that with his young receivers then too. I'm surprised no one touched on Adam Gase. How did he not get fired before Bill O'Brien? Oh, what, what a stinker. What? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand, but the way I view it is whatever the Jets fans want is exactly what is not going to happen. <laughs> and <laughs> like they want to win, they'll get a loss. And then they want a loss in order to can them. Well, they'll get that, but they won't can them. So it's, it's ridiculous. It's, I, it's so frustrating. The fact that that report came out before the game, um, but the fact that Gase's job was probably going to be saved for the whole year, regardless of what happened, just is such a Jets thing to ha- like to put out there and to have it leaked to the media. It just it it blows my mind. I mean, they have the easiest de- decision to probably make in getting rid of Gase. He should not have even came back this season. That's besides the point. Um, and they just don't do it. It's like the Jets love mediocrity, and they just thrive in not meeting expectations on a consistent basis i I just i don't i don't get it no it's it's just terrible did, did you guys see the balage news well they they released him right they traded a seventh round pick for him what a few weeks ago and then they they released him this week oh what yeah i, I that is the most jets, that it is the most jets thing ever it's not as bad as what the Patriots did when they traded a second to the Niners for uh, Mohamed Sanu, or the other way around, excuse me. But it's still very Jets-like to do that. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was not not surprising the least. But yeah, the Jets will continue to to struggle as long as Gase and you know that front office is built as they are. They just they just don't understand what it takes to win games. Apparently. Um, but second game we're going to cover, uh, the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Um, kind of was projected to be a shootout game. Um, you know, Seattle's defense has been basically atrocious through the beginning of the year. Um, and that might be an understatement. Their past defense has been horrid. Uh, pretty much every opposing QB has been able to torch them. So that made sense that... Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins didn't have a ton of success. Um, however, there was one guy that kind of, you know, had a good connection with Fitzpatrick um, throughout the day. Colt, you want to you wanna touch on that connection that they had on Sunday? Yeah, Devontae Parker and Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of had to break out last season, and then Parker's been bothered by a hamstring most of the year. Um, he finally looked healthy, like he was cutting in and out of cuts. Um, this last week, so that was good to see. Finished with 10 receptions, 110 yards. Didn't find the end zone, uh, but I think that's just coming. I think that's just part of next week. They do have a tougher matchup next week, but I think he he's just definitely Fitzpatrick's go-to guy. I think he'll just he'll keep keep um, contributing in the right direction. 
For sure. I mean, I think, you know, there's there's enough average to above average weapons on that offense with Parker and Preston Williams and Gesicki and, you know, Gaskin's kind of broke a little bit too. I think, you know, whoever's at quarterback definitely has a nice set of weapons around him to make the team at least competent. Um, on the other side of the ball, uh, Devin, you, um, you kind of followed Russell Wilson's performance um, on Sunday. What did you kind of get from that game? Um, it seems as if he really couldn't hit Lockett early. And, um, I think that that allowed Metcalf to really open up and get some more targets. Um, what surprised me the most was, um, he only had two touchdown passes considering the last few games he's had upwards of around like five touchdown passes. Um, he he still posted about 360 yards and had a 112 passer rating, which is just phenomenal but i mean i i'll tell you what he is he's definitely going to be the mvp this year if he keeps up keeps up uh putting these numbers up yeah i think i think wilson you know it still amazes me that he has not really been in the conversation um throughout his career especially with how well he's done um you know, he's never been in the conversation for the MVP. And I definitely think, like you're saying, this year is that year. Um, but as we're kind of touch on a little bit later, I think there's another another QB in the NFC that kind of looks like he might be the main competition for, for Wilson this year for that race. Um, Eric, you kind of, you're, you're kind of keeping with the topic of running backs, uh, today. Um, Miles Gaskin looks like he, uh, he is the guy in Miami, but it's a little muddied for him. It is muddied for him. Um, I, I mean, he definitely had his attempts for this game. He had 10 attempts for 40. So he's, I mean, so he's averaging four on the ground, which isn't lovely. But the big thing here is uh, Jordan Howard is. And Matt Breida as well, but there's going to be vulturing that happens there, especially at the goal line. Jordan Howard, fun fact, has on the year so far this year has 18 attempts. All right, okay, 18 attempts for the year, 14 yards, and three touchdowns. Like what? I don't understand. Like, sure, I he's a big-bodied guy, and I understand why he's your goal line guy, but it makes it makes it makes the world unhappy when you do that. Uh, and we want we want to be hashtag fins up. We we want to be happy and, and be able to jump on jump on the Gaskin train. So uh, so it's it's a shame to be seeing some of that touchdown opportunity being taken away from Gaskin. And so and so for those reasons, I'm out. Yeah, I think until he gets the end zone or the red zone work, he's I don't really, I wouldn't trust him in my lineups. I think there's too many other valuable running backs you could put in. Completely. He gets the touches, and I think that's something that at least gives him flex uh, seal or a floor right there, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, the passing game and little dump outs out, you know, from the backfield can only get you so much. Um, and I think that was a big reason why the score probably wasn't as high as it was expected. You know, I think it's, it could have been very easily, you know, first to 40 wins that game because, you know, both of them don't really boast best or good defenses. Um, the Dolphins don't have the defensive backfield to um, keep up with, you know, Lockett and Metcalf and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it just, it seemed like it was kind of a struggle for, for both, both teams on Sunday. Um, I, it was so weird watching the Dolphins, especially on offense with Fitzpatrick. Um, he kind of just looked like he wasn't himself, like he had the last couple of games. He didn't look like he was as willing to throw the ball. Um, and after the game, uh, head coach Brian Flores had to come out, and he actually said that uh, they were weighing, weighing all their options, but Fitz was looking to be the starter for Week 5. Uh, they came out, uh, I think it was yesterday or today, and said that he will for sure start week five. Um, so the writing is pretty much on the wall 
um, for the fact that Tua is going to be starting very soon for that team. Uh, he's been fighting through an illness, not a COVID-related one, uh, apparently just the flu or something along those lines. Um, and Flores and the staff seem very hesitant to put Tua out on the field just because they're very worried about you know, his hip injury. And I get it. But you can't use a top 10 pick in the first round on a player that you're scared to throw on the field. That You just don't make that investment if that's what happens. No, but I think I think they drafted him with the intention to let him sit for probably at least half the year, let him learn the offense and just make sure he's good, and then, then throw him in. I think that's probably what their intention was, knowing he had that injury. Yeah, and I really do feel like Fitzpatrick is a – I mean, he's a – He's a veteran in this league, and I think he's it's it's worth it to sit behind him for six weeks and watch how this offense works, especially without being able to do some of the training camp stuff uh, for a rookie. It 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 makes sense. It, the change will come, but uh, I, I have a soft spot for Fitzpatrick because he's he's just he's just like a guy that you just want to be friends with. It's okay. We understand it's because of the beard, Eric. You don't have to sugarcoat it. It's so fluffy. <laughs> should, Eric should be Fitzmagic for Halloween. <gasps> Done. Don't have to. Don't but have to it needs to be the Fitzmagic of when he was with the Buccaneers and he wore the chain and the really nice looking shirt for the press conference. All right. I got it. Yep. They're in my closet. I already, I've been training my whole life for this moment. I mean, you have the chest hair for it already, so you're halfway home, right? Oh, untrimmed, man. <laughs> untrimmed. Welcome. Football the chest hair. What a, what a great transition. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, kind of on the opposite side of that, no hair, um, Josh Allen is very much a baby face. And, <laughs> but he has not been playing like that at all for the Bills this year. Um, he has absolutely just broken out of his shell. Um, and that it is probably the biggest reason why the Bills are undefeated at this point. Um, they went up against a very good-looking Raiders team, which Devin apparently has a crush on this year. Um, and on the road, they they squeaked out a one-touchdown win. Um, they did make an acquisition, obviously, this offseason to get Stephon Diggs from the, the Vikings as, to get a new number one receiver in town. Uh, Colton, do you like the rapport that those two have so far? Yeah, I think it was one of the most underrated signings from the offseason. Like, just Josh Allen hasn't been able to prove that he can throw the ball up until this season. And then all of a sudden, they're going crazy. If they can continue it up, I think they could be the next star duo in the NFL. They're just, they seem to be unstoppable right now. With the cannon that Allen has, and with how Diggs just loves his, you know, his field splitting routes i think that's a perfect combination um obviously they kind of had somebody already in-house like john brown who filled that role a little bit um but he just his route tree is not as developed as what Diggs is and i think Diggs is just that perfect complement to allen um even with the uh, accuracy issues um obviously the inaccuracies of Kirk Cousins is a very well documented problem that Diggs had to face in minnesota so um he is very used to having to break off routes and catch balls that are not necessarily on target. Um, but Allen's accuracy looks to have been improved a bunch this year. Yeah, just think Allen, who maybe not be super accurate. Well, I mean, he's, he's still good enough, right? But having an all-star wide receiver like that just goes so much farther than like a John Brown would have. That's why they never exploded until now. For sure. And I think the fact that there's more than just one guy there, there's a couple options that they can kind of use. Um, not just receivers like Singletary and Moss and, you know, Dawson Knox and stuff like that. I think that really helps. Um, you know, kind of keeping with the Bills, um, Singletary looked good on Sunday. Um, obviously, Zach Moss was kind of brought in, and they were thinking that it was going to become more of a kind of a timeshare, more of a split backfield than it has up to this point. Um, but Singletary proved that, you know, his command of the playbook, which is not fair to knock Moss for necessarily being a rookie in a very interesting offseason. Um, but Singletary has the tools. I mean, he is a really good um, actual back when he has the ball when he runs. Um, he's got pretty good hands when he's split out or even catching out of the backfield. 
He seems to have Allen's trust. Um, and he just overall looks like the the option that they should be using more. I get using Moss. Obviously, you need two bats to keep, you know, keep your guys fresh and whatnot. But I think Sinotary proved that uh, he should get the, the lion's share of the carries moving forward. Um, on the other side of the ball, um, you know, for the Raiders, Eric, uh, Jacob, Josh Jacobs obviously is the bell cow there. There really isn't any competition for his snaps, but he's, he's kind of been looking rough the last couple of weeks. He has looked rough the past couple of weeks, 15 attempts for 48 yards, uh, and then four targets for three receptions this week. No touchdowns, which definitely could have saved his week, but, uh, but he did not find it. And he is, he is going to get, I mean, he, he's going to finish the year with just a ton of work. Uh, we know that, but so far we've had a hard time seeing him in, in game scripts where they feel comfortable enough to say, Hey, this guy is our win case and we're just going to feed him the ball over and over and over again uh, and find success doing it. So, uh, so that's concerning for me, uh, especially since I, I love Josh Jacobs and I've loved him since the start of the year. I, I think he could have easily been a, a top five, top seven type of running back. And he's not really on that track yet. Uh, but I'm so I'm I'm a little panicked, not over panicked. I'm not going to do anything rash just yet. Is it rash or brash? Rash. Okay. Uh, crash. <laughs> crash. Anything. Slash. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, I'm a little panicked, but not enough to uh, to do anything crazy. Yeah, I, I would still keep them in your starting lineup. Like, they still played the Bills and the Patriots. Those aren't slouches of defenses, and he still put up good numbers. Like, the Patriots did pretty well against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire yesterday. So I think he gets an easier matchup against the Chiefs next week. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about it. The Chiefs do give up a lot of rushing yards, so that that matchup's looking pretty good. Uh, they do. Uh, it just it, it burns a little bit when you're starting Josh Jacobs, and then you have a guy like Antonio Gibson who had a great fantasy week. Oh yeah, uh, and you put up 20 points, I think, and half PPR and. Uh, and he's on the starting bench because Josh Jacobs is getting the work. But uh, Dev Tank, what else did you see from your beloved Raiders, I guess, this year? <laughs> I was going to say, if I had to choose a, a team from the AFC to root for, it would definitely be the Raiders. And I, I feel like that's kind of attributed to my older brother being a Raiders fan, but we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so um, I will say that it, it it is good to see the the wealth being spread around in that offense. Uh, I mean, David Carr hit nine different receivers, um, and then you know, like 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 Eric said, Josh Jacobs. You know, a little disappointing, but I feel like this next week against the Chiefs, you know, I, I feel like he he may get get put up some solid numbers considering they've given up quite a few yards the last few weeks. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, uh, the Bills. I'll tell you what that that's that's the team to look out for this year, in my opinion, with the way Josh Allen's been playing. Um, honestly, it, they're going to be a tough team to stop come come that first first week of the postseason if they make the playoffs. Oh yeah, I think big time. I think they have the explosion on offense and the very competitive defense. I think they'll be tough to compete with. Sean McDermott has absolutely just turned not just the performance of that, you know, that franchise around, but the culture too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's been a huge part in getting everybody on the same page for for Josh Allen to believe in the team. You know, they they kind of came out of nowhere in terms of being the the competent team that they are. They waited their turn. It looks like they're the team to beat, you know, in the in the AFC East for sure. Um it's yeah, I I just think the Bills are definitely one of those upstart teams that look like they're kind of catching everybody by surprise. Um I'm not totally ready to believe in them in terms of like 
postseason wise because you still have to deal with you know the Chiefs and the the Ravens and you know whoever comes out of the AFC South, which is a very kind of muddied division. It looks like the Titans are going to be that team, but they still have a lot to prove as well. Um, so I think until they prove it, it's going to be kind of hard to believe in them. But right now they're looking really good. Sure, that's a fair assessment. Um, now going over to the the Sunday night game, uh, that was the the Eagles Niners game. Um, injuries all across the board. There, you know, the the Eagles have what seems like negative healthy receivers on their team right now. Um, and then on the other side, you know, the Niners they they're out. They're without you know Garoppolo and Mostert and you know Debo and Kittle were just kind of working themselves back into playing shape and whatnot. Um, but you know a win's a win. Um, and in the NFC least division, which is so eloquently named, um, I love that. Just brutal. You know, if you get your first win of the year, it puts you in first place in a division. Um, and I know Colton just loves to be able to have that hang over his head as a Giants fan. Oh. <laughs> As a Giants fan, being 0-4 and being the worst offensive team in the entire league, but yet you're only a game out of first place, I don't, I don't know what more you can ask for. You guys, have a, you guys have a solid defense, too. Defense looks good. I think they're right 13th. Wow. And loud and fifth in points scored. Like the defense is it's good. It's a good defense somehow. The offense, your schedule it, opens up, too. Oh, yeah. So we have three division games next three weeks, including a Thursday night matchup with the Eagles. Man, who wants to watch football on Thursday night? These are brutal. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. But, yeah, I think I mean, the Eagles are just not not very good until they're fully healthy again. Same with the, the 49ers are pretty good defensively, but until they get all their weapons back, um, they can actually get out and, and practice again. I just They're not going to be what they were last year. Not even close. For sure. I mean, you know, everybody's dealing with injuries, especially with the the weird offseason that they had to deal with. And it's just been tough. Um, but we were talking before we jumped on to record the episode. And uh, Devin was kind of thinking that this has been one of the, the bigger upsets of the, the season so far. What kind of paved the way for the Eagles to, to take that win on Sunday? I think a lot of it had to deal with uh, their defense. Um, and not just that too, but, you know, when the Niners put in Stedham there towards the end, you know, that lack of experience obviously gave the Eagles a little bit of a competitive edge, I feel like, but you mean Bethard Stedham was the Patriots guy or excuse me, Bethard. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, I will say that with San Francisco's loss, I feel like not having Moster in there to provide them a run game was definitely, definitely a, it, it hurt them to say the least, in my opinion. But because that would that would have definitely taken the um, the edge off of the quarterback play having to be, you know, I wouldn't say perfect, but not as not as difficult to say the least. So the best friend of a backup quarterback is a solid running back. And the Niners have a stable of running backs to use. So Mostert wasn't necessarily as big of a miss as like most teams would have experienced with their running back out. But yes, it's it's very obvious that having McKinnon and Wilson was not on the same level as what Mostert kind of brings to that. Um, you know, on the other side of the ball with San, Miles Sanders being the pretty much the offense in Philly, especially with Carson Wentz struggling. Um, Eric, you weren't really sold on how that offense just looked in general, even though these injuries are not a new thing for the Eagles. I was not. Uh, the Eagles played well, and they found the way to win, which is certainly commendable for the way this team has been playing and just been uh, degraded for how poorly they've been playing over the past few weeks. and. I still feel like they came out and they played pretty panicked football. It, this game was very odd because it was a lot of throwing from Wentz when it didn't seem like it was that urgent. Uh, I guess the the lack of 
running game really, really hurt. And so I was disappointed in Sanders and I was disappointed that they didn't find ways to give Sanders the ball when they needed it uh, down the stretch. Uh, He didn't really see the work in those crucial plays like I would have hoped. He was on the field though, so that's good. And I think that's something that Sanders owners can be uh, confident in going into next week. Boston Scott really hasn't been uh, an issue for vulturing, you know, touches away from Sanders ever since he came back. So agreed. That is, it's really nice to see that Sanders got the the command of the backfield back, the majority that touches all that. Um, but do you think that they kind of played panic football because they smelled blood in the water with all the injuries? They thought, you know, maybe they were being overlooked or what kind of gave you that that thought on why the Eagles just tried to do too much and almost didn't come out with the win? Well, I think it was just because the offense looked quite a bit different from what we've seen. A lot of uh, bootleg plays, a lot of play action, which is different. And, and to me, it just came off as more panic. But specifically from Carson Wentz, he he played with a lot more urgency, maybe not panic, but urgency. And that that was enjoyable to see from Carson Wentz, who ended up with a pretty decent fantasy week. And uh, someone who he, he came looking like he had something to prove. And that was really enjoyable to watch that urgency, but not have it lead to poor decision making. And that's what ended up winning them the game. That that decision making was what forced them into a tie against the Bengals the previous week. So it was good that Wentz was able to look a little more comfortable in the offense. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, agreed, it still definitely wasn't on the level that you know Doug Peterson and everybody was hoping that he would be. He looks quite broken, I guess is a good way to put it. Agreed. Um, on the other side of the ball, um, it was just two main catalysts that stood out for the Niners. Um, Debo and Kittle. You know, obviously Kittle was out the last two weeks. He comes back for 15 catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that performance alone, coupled with you know only putting up nine fantasy points in the first week, puts him as a tight end seven on the year so far. Um, that's pretty impressive, right there. Uh, Debo is obviously not back at full strength, but again, he is the best receiver the Niners have, and he looks like he will become a main main focal point of the the offense as we you know as the weeks are gonna go on um going to the pats chiefs game um didn't really look like this was a much of a debate chiefs kind of came out strong um they harassed brian hoyer um jared Sidham looked okay um he looked like he had a competent understanding of the offense um but yeah, it's it's pretty fair to understand that there's absolutely no no quarterback controversy in in Foxborough. Yeah, no doubt. I think Cam Newton's clearly the guy going forward. Um, both those quarterbacks look terrible, especially Brian Hoyer at the end of that first half. No reason to give up that sack. Um, for the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill looks good. He's got a touchdown every single game, so him and Mahomes clearly have that rolling. That's not a surprise though. No, they have that relationship going for a while, and they're just they're hard to stop. I mean, even if you got Stephon Gilmore in the back end, that's only one player, and he just he can't cover all the weapons that the Chiefs are going to throw at you. So yeah, that's that's not an easy task for anybody. Um, Devin, you kind of were curious about why the weapons on the Patriots really didn't step up, you know, like. Uh, um, the running back crew is very muddied. There's a bunch of different options there, but you were kind of interested as to see why the one pass receiver just really wasn't stepping up to the plate when they needed him the most. Yeah, um, you take a look at uh, Nikhil Harry. Uh, I feel like I feel like he he's supposed to be the man, the next man up, so to speak, because Edelman eventually down the line, you know, maybe next year, year after, he may retire, you know, move on from the team. But that's besides the point. I think Edelman cannot, you know, keep this team, keep up, like, with the volume of the receptions. Otherwise, you know, teams are going to key on him and other guys aren't going to be able to step up. But I think Harry definitely needs to be the next man up, so to speak. But, uh, yeah. But Brian Hoyer, though, 
Jeez. I saw him play with the Bears, and, I mean, that speaks for itself right there. He was just – he was bad with them. I mean, so, so clearly Cam Newton is the, the guy that needs to be at the helm in, in New England. But on the other side of the ball, uh, just like last week, Mahomes is just killing it. Um, I mean, he's been a beast in fantasy in fantasy for me, so I've got no complaints from him. I mean, that whole entire Chiefs offense is just solid. So, yeah, you've been riding that uh, Mahomes Hill stack so far this year. It's been uh, pretty pretty positive right now, which has been good for you. Um, I think it, so. Harry tied Edelman for receptions and targets on the night. So they were, they, they got an even target distribution. Um, obviously Harry only had three catches, but he did have a touchdown, which was good to see. Uh, so that salvaged a, a pretty disappointing um, offensive night. Um, but kind of looking at, you know, both teams in this case, Eric, you had a problem with the refs. What's, what's got you all hot and bothered? Oh yeah. Okay. So little tangent, but, I have a pretty firm belief when it comes to football that uh, that all plays over the course of many, many years of playing this game and all the flags, the defensive pass interferences, interferences uh, that they all <laughs> that they all balance out. You know, a team will get a good call here, a bad call here. I, I kind of believe that all balances out, except for when the refs blow a play dead, when the ball is live. And it's a fumble. I that to me is unforgivable. That happened in this game, and I haven't seen it very much this year. And so I was so so disappointed to see it in this game. And so I just I hope we don't get many more of those as the year progresses. But man, just plays like that just and it would have been a tur- turnover. And you just can't have that in football in games that at the time were still very close. I'm 100% for it because it is karma for Brady's tuck rule. Oh, if it would have yeah. been against any yeah, other team, sure. I would have been with you, but since it was the Patriots, nope. Good call ref. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Oh, the stupid tuck rule, but life is a full circle in some instances, isn't it? I suppose. Um, final game of the week that we're going to look at, um, the Falcons traveled to green Bay in, uh, Monday in the second Monday night game. Obviously the, um, the Pats chiefs game was moved to be the, the early game on Monday night due to, you know, the, the COVID complications with Cam Newton testing positive and all that stuff. So, so the, they did a little fluctuation and, uh, the original Monday night game just got pushed back a little bit. Um, Green Bay came out of there with a 30 to 16 win, uh, going into their early bye week at four and zero. um, plain and simple. The Packers just look really, really good on offense. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers looks to just not have an absolute care in the world. Um, he understands that he's probably going to play better when he just kind of takes things easy. Kind of like my golf game doesn't happen often <laughs> enough. Um, and he just everything was just flowing through him. Him and Matt LaFour seemed to be on a great page. Um and so did Robert Tanyan. I just thought, you know, the the undrafted tight end out of Indiana State is coincidentally now the tight end one in fantasy on the year after his three touchdown performance last night, which oh was the third boy. consecutive game that he put up a touchdown. So it looks like Rogers may have a new favorite target with Adams coming back from injury and Lazard being out hopping on the train. Colton, you kind of took the Stephen a Smith outlook with when you provided thoughts about Rogers. You want to give a little context on that? Uh, he just looks so good. I mean, I think he's back. Um, I mean, he, yeah, we'll, we'll call it a down year to his standards, but I mean, it's most, NFL quarterbacks that wasn't a down year. I mean, it looks great, and that he did all that yesterday without his two main weapons. Granted, it was the Falcons, but I'm not going to take anything away from Rodgers on that. Like, if it wasn't for Wilson and Allen, I think he's got to be at least an MVP conversation. I think 14 touchdowns and no interceptions. That's that's pretty outstanding. Um, 
The only other thing I want to touch on is Jair Alexander shut down Calvin Ridley. That's pretty outstanding. He was fantasy wide receiver number one on the year and put up a goose egg last night. Like, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Alexander's starting to finally get some of his roses. He uh, he was kind of, you know, overlooked a bit. He's been getting a little more little more attention lately. But, yeah, I think this was a great game on, um, you know, primetime TV to it, exactly show who he is um, and how much Atlanta sucks. I know, Devin, you, you kind of summed it up very well and how just Atlanta has just been an absolute just dumpster fire so far this year. Oh yeah, I I definitely think it's it stemmed st- uh, directly from that loss that they had at Dallas, um, and then even you know like like last week, like I mentioned, um, I, I tell you what, I think Dan Quinn is is on the edge. I, I think that franchise needs to be needs it, it, they need to be pointed in the right direction. They can't keep having these these bad losses, but. Um, yeah, I on the other side of the ball, I I'm not gonna praise the Packers as a team because you know I hate the Packers as as you all may may know by now. Careful, <laughs> are you a Bears fan? I can't tell. Careful. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he's just he's good. That's that's all there is to it. I mean, he can he can make any any wide receiver, any tight end look like they're the best. You know pass catcher in the whole entire league like there's just something about him that i still haven't quite figured out over these years being a bears fan but you know i guess you just deal with it and you hope that the bears can eventually beat them beat them this year hopefully take one game if not you know maybe score a few touchdowns It's okay, Devin. You can go back to sleep if you want to keep throwing those dreams out there. Um, <laughs> right. oh, very so, nice. um, you know the the offensive involvement. Kind of want to go back to what Devin said. Is it was it was huge. Um, they threw a stat up there. I think it was either the second or the third quarter um, in the Monday night game, where they had three uh, three snaps for the rest of the lead. They had of teams using three running backs on the field on the same play, and Matt Lafour schemed up to the like I said, the second or third quarter, four plays for the Packers alone to use that kind of formation. I mean, his ingenuity, obviously coming from like that how Shanahan kind of Sean McVay tree is not surprising, but he's, he, he's used his weapons really, really well, especially Jamal Williams last night too, Eric. Yeah. I, I loved seeing him more involved uh, for, for whole drives, getting uh, snaps and getting uh, rushing attempts and then getting involved in the passing game as well. He's, He's definitely underrated, and uh, I love that he's becoming more involved, especially with guys like Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard out. It's just nice to see his his involvement. He's just a lovable kind of player, I think, a guy that people can kind of relate to. So, uh, And yes, that is biased, but uh, I loved watching him this week. It's not biased if more than one person agrees with you. Hey, there we go. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's no problem with that argument. No, I mean, it, you know, it's, if it's 50-50, if you and Devin don't agree and Eric and I do, well, kind of looks like we're at a stalemate here then, right? No, no, I agree. I was actually at the Packers-Seahawks game last year, and he was on the return group, and every time the Seahawks would kick off, he'd just be back there just dancing because he knew the ball would go out of the end zone for a touchback. That's kind of funny. <laughs> he just has a really easy-going approach to everything. It's really nice to see nowadays. Yeah, um, sure. But so that's kind of the the recap of last week or this past week, I suppose. Um, so we're gonna quickly jump into some fantasy studs and duds for the year so far. Um, kind of just you know throw out the player, brief explanation, just kind of keep it moving. Um, so my stud actually, um, and we're gonna keep it in in the NFC North. Excuse me, is uh, Delvin Cook. Um, you know the Vikings, they lost. Their offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, over the offseason. He became the head coach for the Browns. Um, some were questioning if the offensive approach was going to change or not. Um, but Gary Kubiak um, stepped back into the coordinator role. Um, and he was he loves his zone read schemes. Um, and that's what they kept there. And 
Delmarcourt has just been fantastic. Uh, obviously, with Diggs not being there, there's more um, targets to go around for you know for Thielen and Cook and Justin Jefferson. Um, but Cook has just you know he's he's been awesome. He's been ta- he's taken on the the lead back role and he's he's remained healthy so far. Knock on wood. So he's been looking really solid. Um, my dud, not to pick on Eric necessarily. Um, but is Michael Gallup of the Cowboys. Um, it's it's hard to furnish three to f- well three to five actually. However, when I look at it, um, competent fantasy weapons in that Dallas offense. Um, but it definitely looks like Cooper, City Lamb are the top two. Gallup kind of falls in right around where Dalton Schultz is, the tight end. And then obviously they have Zeke who gets worked into the passing game as well. So Gallup just hasn't gotten the touches. um, And it would not be a bad idea to start looking to shop Gallup out for, you know, maybe a running back three or four, someone who has a decent amount of upside potentially. Yeah. All right, Mike. All right. Yeah. Well, sell him. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I tried that. Didn't work. I, I was selling too high though. So. Yeah, yeah, you had to try to package him, buddy. He's <laughs> yeah, he's trash. He's forking for sure. Um, Colton studs and duds. Um, Alvin Kamara is definitely my stud. He's the running back one on the year. Seven touchdowns and five hundred fifty-seven yards in four games is pretty much all you can ask for. When I, I got him at four in my league, um, but a lot of people got him five through seven, so that's pretty outstanding depending on your league. Um, Dud, moment Eric's been waiting for is freaking cat fart Kenyon Drake. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Last year, he just came out and was fantastic. Um, The reason he was fantastic was all the passing game volume he got. But this year, it's he's had the volume so far. He just hasn't produced with it, which is terrible. A couple things... He was in a walking boot at the beginning of the year. That's something um, that was underplayed by the Cardinals. Um, maybe something to watch. Bad offensive scheme. They keep putting Chase Edmonds on passing downs when Kenyon Drake have shown he can do that. So for fantasy, it's not great. Um, Cliff Kingsbury did come out and say that they're changing up the offensive scheme. They did the same thing last year, and the offense seemed to um, do better in kind of like that spread formation. So if he doesn't do it, this week against the Jets, I think he's got to stay in your bench forever or trade him away if you can, but it's just brutal if you have him. Devin, what do you think? Um, Well, as far as my start of the year goes, I would have to say it's Mahomes. I'm a big Mahomes fan, as you, as you can probably, probably tell by now. Um, he's pretty much guaranteed about 20 to 30 points a week. Uh, depending, not really sure how each format works, but you know, for our our fantasy league, he's he's definitely been a, a big provider there for me. Um, definitely helps when he has weapons like Kelsey Hill, Watkins, and Hardman to to spread the ball around to. And then uh, my dud of the year is Anthony Miller. Um, just not seeing the volume. Uh, all the targets seem to be going to a Rob and. Jimmy Graham, and as of recently, Darnell Mooney. So I was really hoping to see him have a breakout year and really see him step up to be a number two receiver, but he's just been a bit pretty big disappointment, to say the least. So. seems like Miller's always been that guy where, oh, this is his year, he's going to break out. Oh, he's going to overcome his injury concerns, you know, all that kind of stuff, and just can't do it. Um, Robinson might be gone next year. You know, they, they got those ongoing contract talks that might make, you know, Robinson leave. Um, and Miller might yeah. become the de facto one. And I I just think that's, that is not a good look for that Chicago offense. Yeah, if, if, if A-Rob puts up, he could put up like just absurd numbers when it comes to, you know, receiving yards, touchdowns, whatever. And I still don't think that they'll extend him because they, they, have, they have money to, to spread elsewhere, I guess, mainly on defense. Because that's all we really, really have at this point. We we have no offense. I say, how about a quarterback? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I have, <laughs> I have a lot of, a lot of negative feelings when it comes to quarterback. 
Well, good thing we're to the end of the episode almost because we can touch on that another week. Right. <laughs> um, but yes, as a member of the NFC North, it, it's been, I feel very blessed as a Packers fan, having had only two quarterbacks in my entire lifetime versus, you know, having 11 since 09. That's just, that blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's brutal being a Bears fan, but you know what? It is what it is. I'm just oh, I'm just Bears. hoping I'm just hoping that we we end up finding our our Aaron Rodgers, so to speak, next year. Maybe the draft, or even trading for somebody. I, I don't care who it is. We just need somebody to to throw the ball accurately. That's all I care about. I think uh, Trey Lance could be your guy potentially, but we'll do a draft primer at some point. Then we don't have to get into that right now. Right. Um. Eric, you love a certain Seahawks guy, don't you? Well, okay. Yeah, my stud is Chris Carson. And here's the thing. Last year, I loved him too. But he had a fumble problem. And when he fumbled, he got punished by Pete Carroll and the powers that be. As soon as he fumbled once, it he just, they're like, no, you, you stop getting the ball. His fumble problem is better. He's getting the work. Uh, it seems he's he's trying to battle through injury, so that's a bit of a concern. But he's putting up safe floors, and I think he can really be a boom type of player on a lot of weeks. So he's definitely my stud this year. My my dud is low hanging fruit. It's AJ Green. We drafted him because of the name and perhaps the talent. Yep, very brutal, and he was getting the targets. Uh, even week two, we're like, wow, 13 targets. He caught like three of them or something. And we're like, okay, just hold on, hold on. And it's just, it's not coming. I'm, I'm ready to drop him. If you can trade him, but I don't think you can. I'm, I'm ready to just drop. I'm ready to move on. I agree. I think you're, I think you're safe to drop him. Yeah, it's, Burroughs looked really good, but he's really, he's looked really good to everybody but AJ Green. It makes it tough. I, I, I get it. Um, it's it kind of going back to Carson. It's really interesting because it looks like this year, even though ha- Carlos Hyde is there as a backup, it looks like Pichero trusts Carson more, even though Hyde seems to be more of a threat to take touches than like Rashad Penny was last year. I just think that's really interesting that Carroll doesn't trust Hyde as much in like let's say Carson picks up his fumbling problems again. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, can you can you ever really trust Pete Carroll, especially when he talks? I mean, Only with his gum <laughs> chewing. That's all you can trust. Oh gosh, what a weird, weird person. <laughs> so, but yeah, those are those are kind of our our fantasy, you know, pluses and minuses so far this year. Um, hopefully, you guys have experienced the good ones and not the bad ones. But as is every year, you you kind of get a good mix of both. Then. Um, Eric, you want to kind of introduce um, our weekly topic now? Ah, yes. The Minshew Potato Tree of the Week nominees by us. Uh, so, my <laughs> that's right. We're, we're writing a book, too. Um, so, my Potato Tree of the Week is Khalil Mack. Yes, I love to pick on the bears every moment of every day. But I am picking Khalil Mack because there was one ball in this game that was tipped up in the air, and oh my goodness, that thing probably took 20 years to fall to the ground. It was so beautifully (laughs) perched in the air, and it fell to him, and it went right through the breadbasket. I mean, this is the elite star Mr. Mack of this Bears offense, and it just, bloop, it's it's just gone. Notice he over. said offense. <laughs> Basically. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the Bears had zero turnovers in this game. This Bears defense had zero turnovers this game. For comparison, the Chiefs and Pats had five turnovers in that game, including two turnovers in three plays. And the Bears had one that... An angel couldn't have pooped this thing out more softly into his hands. <laughs> wow! And, <laughs> and and he and he missed it, and that's why he's on my potato tree. 
I think that might be the most colorful entry we've had on, a, on this list so far. <laughs> so it's only right that it comes from the uh, the creator of it, right? <laughs> you bet, you bet. Mike, Mike, what do you got? Um, I'm just the Houston Texans as an organization in general. Um, first, for giving Bill O'Brien the keys to not only be head coach, but also the GM. You know, I, I don't know what he proved coming from Penn State to Houston to get that dual role. But as sure as shit didn't work out. I can promise you that. Um, you know, just the handling of even like that DeAndre Hopkins trade this offseason was just the icing on the cake, I'm assuming, for for ownership that kind of put him on a very short leash. Um, you know, canning him four games into a pandemic, you know, affected season is a very interesting way to do it. Um, especially since they're not only out a head coach, but also a general manager. So that team's just in complete shambles right now. Um, interesting fact, though, is that the interim head coach, which is now Romeo Cornell, is actually the uh, oldest head coach in NFL history, I believe, from what I saw, which is very, really? very surprising. Yeah. yeah. And so, very potato. Very exactly. Nice. So it seems like the uh, the Texans and the Jets are kind of fighting for the bottom of the uh, AFC at this point, but they'll all manage to do something to not get that right at the end of the year. But <laughs> good job. Good job, Houston, for getting on this list. Uh, Colton? Oh, I hate picking on my team, but too the easy, New York though. Giants, it's too easy. Last week, they played the Rams in the third quarter. Daniel Jones dropped back for the pass, and all four of his wide receivers went out to run black. I saw that. I tweeted it out. If you didn't see it, go look at it. Like, I don't know if that was a Daniel Jones thing. I don't know if it was a Jason Garrett thing. And I'm sure after the play was done, all I did was cat fart clap. Like, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a bunch of freaking potatoes. I think they had that much confidence in the offensive line. They just wanted to go out and help and block them instead. What a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Well, that's very fitting. Speaking of picking on your own team, Devin. Yeah, my potato of the week is Matt Nagy. The if you were watching the game, yeah, third down, two yards to go, and you use your return man to run the ball up the middle against a a run defense that's probably number one in the league. But the fact that you didn't have your your main running back in there to run that play that that's just like come on man like what's going on there like even then they could have they could have passed the ball like they could have done something other than using the return man to run the ball like just uh so frustrating and just a play calling in general from matt nagy this year has just been atrocious atrocious to say the least Fair to say that uh, he may not have been the right pick for uh, head coach for Chicago, huh? Ooh. I don't know if I'd go to say that much, but I would say that if they were to leave his, his play calling ability to an off- offensive coordinator, it would be a lot better, in my opinion. Agreed. Seems like everything's kind of gone downhill ever since that double doink. Yeah. Too many know. shots at the Bears this week. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll pass the blame around. Don't don't you worry. <laughs> All right. So final thing for us, uh, Rod, I'm trying to throw out a lock of the week for us. Um, so mine is I'm actually taking the uh, the Texans over the Jaguars this upcoming week. Um, Spicy. Kind of a a gross matchup, um, especially since. Um, you know, Texans are still looking for their first win. The Jags are 0 and 2 on the road, um, 1 and 3 on the season. Um, it's just not an appetizing game. Um, Texans are favored by six right now. I think they more than cover that. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of should be a, a interesting game to watch this week, Eric. Minshew will have something to say about that. But uh, my pick is the Panthers over the Falcons. Decimated Falcons, even more injuries this week. Teddy B is heating up. 
in Carolina. Uh, I think, I think that's a for sure lock for the Panthers. Colton, uh, I'll take the Steelers over the Eagles. Um, Steelers got a weird buy, so they can basically start prepping for the Eagles. Far in advance, Deontay Johnson's coming back from his concussion. The Eagles aren't going to beat that team. I think they'll get blown out this week. And Devin, your love for the Raiders making a comeback? I I think they're going to pull off an upset this week. I think they're going to go into Arrowhead and and get it done by by a touchdown. Man, that is that is such a ballsy pitch. Yeah, well, I I, I figure I figure Josh Jacobs if they can get him going, uh, could definitely definitely put that. The Chiefs defense on their heels and might may or may not open up the, the passing game for Carr and Carr and that offense, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think Waller is a huge X factor in that game too to see how well they do. Oh yeah, for sure. Another episode done for us. That's a good good way to end it. Um sorry, Eric, there is no time for us to look at the Bachelor preview. Bachelorette, not even sure which one's on at this point. Hey, hey, you cannot pick on me for that because Colton loves it just as much as I do. <laughs> that is complete facts. <laughs> Love to see how this season goes on the bubble. You, you, you guys need a new hobby. Regardless, <laughs> um, check us out on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you're feeling like it, leave us a, a good review and uh, catch you guys next week. Hope you guys have a good, a good week and uh, 